The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Daf Lamidheh. Today's daf has been dedicated to Nishmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. We are beginning today's daf on Lamidheh Amudishon on the top line. We learned in the previous Mishnah that the second Tevilah that the Kohen Gadol did on Yom Kippur was in an area called Lishkat Beta Parva. That was an area that was in the Kodesh. There was a mikveh built on top of that chamber. So the Gemara says, My Parva, why was the chamber called Lishkat Parva? Amar of Yosef, Parva Amgusha. Parva was the name of a person who was an Amgusha. What is an Amgusha? Rashi says, Mechashef Echad Bena'a Ushmo Parva. It was a mechashef, uh, a sorcerer, that uh, built it. So that's the way uh, Rashi says. The Rosh says that he was a Jewish man, because if he was a Nukhri, if he was a Goy, they would not allow a Goy to build any of the chambers of the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, the Me'idi asks, how would they name the Lishka after a sorcerer? I mean, Kishuv obviously is Asud. So <clears throat> the Me'idi says that, we're forced to say that they must have named him or named the Lishka after he made Teshubah. The Tosafot uh, Yom Tov, his question is, how did they allow a sorcerer to build uh, any part of the Beit HaMikdash? Uh, true, he wasn't a Goy, but even a sorcerer. So the Tiferet Yisrael explains it really was not built on Yedek Kishuf, but it had a, such a stunning uh, architectural trick to it that it looked like it was built by the Kishuf because if you remember the uh, mikveh was on the roof so he built piping in the walls in order to get the water to go up to the roof so it looked like it was built by Kishuf it must have been a modern piping system which uh, was not so common so therefore it uh, had the uh, uh, the image that it was done by the Kishuf now the Tosafot on our daf Parva Amgusha the Aruch explained, That this guy, Parva, built a tunnel underneath the uh, ground of the Beit HaMikdash, in the area, in order that he can uh, spy on the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol. So the Kohanim realized this uh, underground tunnel that he built. And they found him. 
the um, the Tba brings down that when they found them, they actually killed them. Vekara ota lishka al shemo, and then they named the lishka the um, chamber that I guess he was spying on that area. They named it after him. So the Siyah Yitzhak asks, says, what's the pshat that they named it after him? He was a Rashad, this guy. The guy was spying on the Kwanim from an underground tunnel. So he says, Leman Yishmi'u v'yira'u she'asur la'asot ke'ma'aseh she'asazeh. They ought to remind everybody. This is called the Shkata Parva. This is the place where we killed, uh, you know, this guy, Parva, for spying on the Kwanim, and therefore it'll be a lesson for others not to uh, engage in such behavior. So that's the story of the Shkata Parva. Comes the Gemara and says, Parasu Sadin Chilbuts. So they um, they hung a uh, curtain made out of linen to separate between the Kohen and the people so they don't see him when he goes into the Megre. So the Gemara says, We had this Gemara earlier. Why did they choose a linen garment? In order that the Kohen should remember be reminded that today he works not only with Bigdeh Zahav, but he also works with Bigdeh Lavan, which was made out of linen. So it was more of a reminder for the Kohen Gadol. So we said, according to the Hachamim, in the morning the Bigdeh Lavan, the first time he wore them, they were 18 maneh, and in the afternoon when he would wear the Bigdeh Lavan a second time, in order to take out the shovel, the Mahta from the Kodesh Kodashim, they were 12. So the Mishnah then gives us the sum total. And altogether, the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, between the morning clothes and the afternoon clothes, were 30 maneh. So the Gemara asks, V'ta'ana minyana ata l'ashmi'inan? Well, the Tana is, is, is coming to teach us numbers, but we forgot how to count. But she says, Tanya minyana ata l'ashmi'inan, Dektani akol shiloshim maneh. But we don't know that 18 plus 12 is 30. What's the what's the purpose of the Gemara? However, if you make the clothes less, which means less than 18 on the morning clothes, or more than 12 in the afternoon clothes, so long as you get the 30 in the subtotal of the Begadim, uh, you're okay. So it's telling you 30, that is the minimum shi'ud of the Begadim. Split it up. However you want, which is even if you would do, let's say, uh, you know, you did less than 18, you did uh, you know, 16 and 14 for the Begadim, so you're okay as well. Look at Rashi. Hakamash Ma'lan, Le'aki Adar Chaylinu. That's why the, the Mishnah gave us the uh, <coughs> total number, Le'ashmi'ina, to teach us. Le'ad, Le'shloshimaneh, Sachakolu, Le'ahib, Shi'ura, Le'tomen Ha'ikdesh. Which means we're giving you the sum total that you would take from the Hegdesh for the garments. Don't make the garments less than 30 uh, altogether. If you want to make the morning garments less than 18, 
There's nothing, no problem. Just make sure that at least it equals to the shield of 30. <coughs> and that's the Hidush of the Mishnah. Okay, comes the Mepharshim um, and say, where did we get the shi'ud of 30? So the Gevorot Ari says, it is indeed a halakha le Moshe Messinai. There's a sefer called uh, Kiryat Sefer, and he says that the halakha le Moshe Messinai was that the Begadin have to be hashuvim because of the kavodayom, because of the kapara that they, uh, they allow. And therefore the Hachamim gave the shoot of 30. So if it's a Mahlok, if the Halakha was saying, Sinai was actually 30, the Halakha just doesn't have to be Begadim Hashuvim, and the rabbis then came and gave the uh, Shi'ur. Okay. Comes the Gemara and continues. The Kula'al Mamiha, the Shachar Adife. Everybody holds. Ben Rabbi Meir in the Mishnah, and Ben the Hachamim, that the morning garments are more expensive than the afternoon garments. So the Gebara says, Minalan, how do we know that? Why is the morning ones more expensive? Amar Avuna, Bered Rav'ilai, Amar Kera, Bad, 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 Bad. Mufhar, Bebad. So that she says, Arba'ad zimne ketiv bilbishat begdeh shahrit. When the Kohen gets dressed in the shahrit, it says the word Bad four times in the Pasuk. She's the repetition of the word bad four times tells me it's the bad of the bad, meaning the best of the best of the bad. What is the um, what is the pasuk? So the pasuk says I'll call you the pasuk, ketonit bad kodesh yilbash, umikhnese bad yehu al besaro, ub abnet bad yagor. Now look at the bottom tosafot. Bad, 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 bad. The first bad teaches me they have to be linen. But the second bad is lashon levad, meaning alone. Is the second bad is like levad. You only wear these garments under any mixture of the gold garments. The third bad tells me they have to be a better quality than all year longs. And the fourth bad teaches me that it has to be even better than the ones that he's going to wear in Arbit, meaning the afternoon. So that's why Tosafot explains the Four bads. That's what she learned as well. It's really being the third and the fourth one. Bad, bad, the best of the bad. Metibe, the Gemara asks a question. The question actually comes from a Pasuk in Yehazkel. And the Pasuk says, This is referring to the Kohanim. They will wear. Other garments. Velo yekadeshu etaram bebigdehem, and they will not sanctify the nation with their garments. So let's see Rashi over here to explain us what the context of this pasuk in Yehoshkel was. 
So we start on the top line. Metive. Vedabeshu begadima harim. Velo galsinan vekarvu elashil laam dahu kera. Logabeshirut ketiv elagabe begadim shaklubem. Velo shaluk mebium kipurim. Ela mehakera motiv. Okay, second line. That's where we're starting. Ela mehakera ketiv. We're starting from motiv. We're starting from this. Um, we're asking from this pasuk. Upsetam el hatsera haitsona. It says when the Kohanim will go out to the outer court, you are the Ika le'ukme b'yom kippurim. This pasuk was referring to the Kohanim on Kippur. Tekhtiv le'ilmine v'yab b'bo'am al-sha'ari ha'atzera p'nimit. Because it says in that context of that pasuk that they're going into the <coughs> inner chamber. That's already the uh, Kodesh. Ve'lo ya'ale alehem tzemir. Oh, and it says clearly when they go into the inner chamber, they do not wear wool. Habadai b'yom kippurim ketiv. It's got to be talking about Kippur. De'i b'sha'ari motashana ha'ika mi'il dekhulet tekhelet. The me'il that the Kohen Gadol wears is all tekhelet, it's all wool. So if the Pasuk is saying he's not going to wear wool, so obviously we know we're talking about Kippur. Ve'choshin ve'efot it betekhelet. Ne'choshin ve'efot also has wool. Ve'chetiv batre, it says, u'psetam al-hatzir ha'ishona, this is when they come out from the outer chamber, yifshetu it begadim, take off their clothes, ve'laveshu begadim ha'chirim. They will wear other clothes. We're assuming the Pasuk is telling us like this. When the Kohanim go back into the Kodesh, Kodashim, in the afternoon, to take out the Mahta, when they said the Pasuk, they will wear other garments. They will wear different white garments than from what they wore in the morning. Now, since it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that the Kohen wears the white garments going back in to the Kodesh Kodashim, so therefore, it's only So therefore, mentioned in the Pasuk, which she is discussing, why is discussing what type of garments the Kohen wore when he went back into the Kodesh Kodashim? So the, the Alashid tells us, because really in the Torah only tells us that in Sha'arit he wears the big debat. It doesn't tell us that in the afternoon he wears the big debat. So Yaskel is giving us a, uh, an explicit pasuk, trying to tell us that he did wear it as well in the afternoon. And we know that from Ahalakalam Shem Sinai, Yaskel just put it in the pasukim. Now when it says at the end of the pasuk, and they will not sanctify the am, It means when they, at the end of the day, when they socialize with the people, then they just wear their big day hold, they don't wear their... <coughs> Holy garments. But for our purposes, we see what? When it says, We're assuming at this point, the begadim ahirim are more expensive. That's why the Gemara is asking a question. So the Gemara says, That they're more hashuv. That goes against what we learned in our Mishnah. The Gemara says, No. No, Ahirim are less expensive. So the Ridba uh, asks over here. Well, first of all, how do we know that Ridba says we're talking about Big Day Pishtam? That we're talking about that he uh, wears when he takes out the cap. So does she really answer this as well? And Ridba gives the same answer that since. Yeah, his kid's not going to tell us something that's Bifirush written in the Torah. He must be coming to tell us something that's not explicitly written. And what's not explicitly written is that when he goes to take the kaf out, he wears the big delavan. So that must be what the scale was talking about. Tadrit Ba says, How do you know uh, in the Habamina that they were Hashuvim? 
Gemara says, oh, it's a begadim ahedim. Must be they're more uh, expensive. Why would you think like that? So he says that since he's going into the Kodesh Kodashim, it would make sense based on the principle of Mahalim Bakodesh Ve'en Moridin. Yeah, he went in the first time, he was wearing a certain level garment. You're not going to wear a lower level the next time. So therefore, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Rizbah even goes on to say is, What did he see in the Kodesh Kodashim the first time? That he's lowering uh, the status of his garments. It would be like a Ganai to the Kodesh Kodashim. As if the first time he wore the Hashuv ones. Anybody, what did he see in the Kodesh Kodashim? That he now he's coming in the second time and wearing something less? less? So then the Gibraltar says, Lo, Pehutin mehem. So the Dvaz says, even though there's a Sevarat to say that he should wear Hashuvim, there is a Sevarat to say he should wear Pehutin. Why? Based on the principle of Begadim Shemazag Baim Kosler Abob. Which is the same garments that you served, um, uh, that you poured uh, your master wine. You, you don't wear those same garments when you're uh, when you're cleaning or when you're doing um, you know other labors. So here, when you went to the kodesh kodeshim to bring in the ketoret, he wears the hashuv garments. So it's not proper to wear to wear the same hashuv garments to clean out the kodesh kodeshim because the second time he goes to the kodesh, he's just taking out the machta. It's siluk. So therefore, the Sevara would say it should be less. Because you don't want to give the same madregab service when you bring it in the ketoret to just cleaning up the uh, the, uh, the table afterwards. Like we see in the Gemara, the clothes that you wore cooking, you don't use those same clothes to serve uh, your master. So that would be the uh, Sevara of the Havamina and the Maskana. Comes the Gemara and says, Tani Ravuna Bar Yehuda Ve'amri Rav Shemuel Bar Yehuda Achar Shekalta Avodat Sibur Ba'en I'm sorry Achar Shekalta Avodat Sibur After the Kohen finishes the Avodat Sibur Meaning the Korbanot Sibur of the day of Kippur Kohen Cha'asta Lo Imo Ketonet If the mother of a Kohen Makes for her son A Ketonet Lovshah He's able to wear it. The Oved Ba Avodat Yahid. And he's allowed to wear it and do the uh, private service in the Beta Magdash. What is the private service? So that she says, Avodat Yahid. Actually, we should, re- we should read the Rashi before that. Lo Pechotin Me. When the Gibra says, No, the Pechotin, Rashi just says, Lefisha Avodari Shuna Hashuva Um Chaperet. The first Avodah brings atonement by bringing the Ketorot inside. So she gives a little more Sevara. He says the first one is atoned, and the second one is really just cleaning up. That's why there are less. Next, she Avodah Yahid, Hotsaat Kaf Um Mahta. Taking out the Kaf and the Mahta, that would be the shovel with the Ketorot, the coals. She does the Kalasibur. That's not considered Avodah Sibur. It's the Kohen's job to clean out the Kodesh Kodashim. It's called Avodat Yahid because it's nothing to do with the Sibur, it's not an atonement to the Sibur. So the Hadush is that if the Kohen's mother would make a ketonet, he could wear it for Avodat Yahid. But Gibraltar says, so long as, so long as the Kohen, he must uh, hand it over or give it over to the Sibur. Which means it must come from the Sibur. So therefore, he cannot, he cannot wear private uh, stuff. 
So he has to, let's say, um, uh, give it over to the public uh, treasury, and now he's able to wear it. Gemara says, Peshita. What do you mean? Of course. Uh, why shouldn't I think a Kohen that uh, his mother makes him a ketonet, why shouldn't I think he could wear it as long as he gives it off to the Sibur? And I might suspect he might not give it over wholeheartedly. No, we don't suspect that to the Kohen Gadol. Safot says, what do you mean? In another Gemara, in Baba Metziah, we do see that when it comes to having to give something over to the Sibur, we do suspect. So why are we by the Kohanim? We don't. So Tosfot says the Sibara, he says, Anan Sa'adeh, the Kohen Gadol Masal Yafeh, Shu Gadol Batorah, Veyodaya Shiyeshlem Sor Yafeh. So who are we talking about? The Kohen Gadol is usually a Tamir Hakam. And therefore he knows the Halakha. And therefore you could assume the Kohen Gadol is going to follow the Halakha and he's going to give it over Yafeh. Veyod, he gives another answer. Kevan Shekol Kavod Keunah Hushelo, since all the kavod of the keuna belongs to him, all the glory, which is the endearment that he has to serve in the Bet HaMikdash and do all this avodah, so we don't suspect there's anything wrong. He's going to want to do it the right way. So that's the way Tosafot understands that we don't suspect the Kohen Gadol for not giving it over. Now, look at that sheet. The sof sof ma'abodat siburi. Which means, bottom line, it's still a service that's done for the Sibur. Which means, even though we call it Avodat Yahid, because it's the Kohen's job to take it out, doesn't let's say atone for the Sibur, but bottom line, it's Avodat that he's serving the Sibur. So it's got to come from the Sibur. Then the she brings a different interpretation. Avodat Yahid, you know what Avodat Yahid means? Mikra Parasha, reading the Parasha and Kippur. She's the Kohen would read from the Sefer Torah that Namim Atnitin Koreb Itztalit Lavan Mishelo says he would wear a white garment from his own. So therefore, Avodai it means the mother that made the Ketor that the Kohen could wear it during the reading of Sefer Torah. Vekashali begaveh Telot Ranatam Bavatchim Sun Sibur. He says, I don't like that that answer because later on it doesn't say that he has to give that Ketor over to the Sibur, which is Masma is wearing a totally different. Uh, I have nothing to do with Big Day Kodesh. So therefore Rashi opts for his first interpretation that Avodah Yahid means to take out the Mahta uh, from the Kodesh Kodeshim. Now I saw a, an interesting interpretation of why would the mothers of the Kohanim specifically make the Ketonet. What was their, uh, what was their intent? So I saw an explanation like this. It is said by the Ben uh, in Ben Yoyada. He says that in Masechet Makot and Dafyud Aleph in the Mishnah, it says that when the people, whether it be a murderer that would kill Bishogig, so he would go to Eid Miklat. So the mothers of the Kohanim used to go to the uh, cities of refuge and used to give gifts to the inmates in order to bribe them so they shouldn't pray that their sons should die. Because their sentence, or their freedom I should say, hinges on the Kohen Gadol's death. So therefore it would be only logical that the inmates in the Eid Miklat would be praying for the Kohen Gadol to die. So the mothers of the Kohenim would go and give them gifts so they should not pray. Now, why is the Kohen guilty? So the Mephashim explained, because if somebody murdered Bishogeg, the Kohen had the ability to atone for it. Which means, 
in his ability to pray and mechaper, he had the ability to stop these murders, even though they were bishogeg, unintentional, not to happen. So if they happened, that means the Kren wasn't doing his job. So the Benish Chai says that the ketonet, the as we know all the garments of the Kohanim, they atone for different averot. So it says the ketonet of the Kohen atones for shefichut damim, atones for murder. So therefore, the uh, Kohan, the mothers of the Kohanim, they didn't want their children to have to go to Eid Miklat. And therefore, they're going to be prayed for to die. So they made them specifically ketonet, that's mechaper on shefichut damim, in order that murders, even unintentional, will not happen in Klai Israel, and therefore their children will be spared from the uh, prayers. So that's the reason why specifically they made the uh, ketonet, in order, like I said, to spare the children from going to the Eid Miklat. Comes the Gemaran continues. Kibara says, Amru Alab al Rabbi Ishmael ben Pavi. There was a Kohen called Rabbi Ishmael ben Pavi. Sharast alo emo ketonet shilmea mane. His mother made him a ketonet, it was very expensive. A hundred mane. A hundred mane, so that would be a hundred thousand zoos. Vilovsha. And he wore it. Veoved ba avodat yahid. And he did Abu Yahid with it, meaning he took out the Mahta, Umasla la Sibur. And of course he followed Halakha, he gave it to the Sibur, so therefore it was permissible. Amru Alav and Abil Azar bin Harsom. There was another Kohen Gadok called Abil Azar bin Harsom. Sha'asta lo emo ketonet, mishte ribbo. A ketonet that was from shte ribbo, two times ten thousand, means he's twenty thousand maneh. Which would be two million zoos. But his brothers, the Kohanim, did not let him wear it. It was such fine linen that it was like see through. So therefore, you could see his skin through it almost. So therefore, they didn't allow him to wear it. Is it possible to see through the garment of the Kohen Gadol? We learned. We learned that it was uh, six uh, strings woven in the uh, clothes, which it was six layers. How could you see through six layers? So the Gemara says, Amar kehamra b'mazga. It would be like wine in a thick glass. Even though the glass is thick, you can still see the wine through it. Because even though it was a thick weave, still it was such a fine weave that you were able to see the Kohen's uh, you know, uh, uh, nakedness through it. So therefore, it was like a see-through uh, item. So therefore the Kohen did not allow him to wear it. Okay, so that's the story of the Rashi. Rashi says, Mishter Mane, that's right, that's a 20,000 mane, which would be 2 million zoos. Each mane is 1,000 zoos. Ha'amar mor chutin shil bigdeh keunah kaful shisha. We know that in Masikhet Shikalim as well. Was kaful shisha, was made from six uh, strings. So the Gemara says, Kehamra b'mazga, kiyayin hanedim mechutz tekli zikuchi. Like wine that's seen in a glass, ba'afal pisha zikuchit abah. Even though the glass is thick, 
the Pishtan that the Korean War was Mutzav is like um, shiny or very um, bright and you're able to see his flesh through it comes the Gemara and continues now we should just point out one uh, one issue over here the question that they have over here is the Bet Meir asks this question the Bet Meir says we learned that the clothes of Ben Arbaim have to be have to be less expensive than the ones in the morning. Now these Kohanim over here, their mothers made for them a ketonet. And the ketonet was very, very expensive. And they did it for that Yahid. So the bit means, what are you talking about? It seems that these clothes are even more expensive than the ones that were worn in the morning. So he wants to know, how did the Kohanim uh, allow them? Even if you want to say it's the Khatahida, how come the Kwanim allowed them to go against this Hanaka? So the Me'iri explains that these Ma'asim were Turma Bechodi Motashana. This was not a Kippur. This was all year round when they did Abu Yahid, they would wear the ketonid of their mothers. Now, but Rashi's learning was on Kippur. Says, you have to say in Shahrik, we didn't we learn in the Mishnah that Kohen can add from his own money. So the Kohen must have added from his own money to upgrade the Shahrik ones in order to make them more expensive than the ones that they were in Arman. Even though their mothers gave them a very expensive ketonet, still they worked it out. Okay, comes the Gemaran continues. Tanur <coughs> Banan, we have a brighter. Ani ve'ashir ve'rasha. A poor man, <coughs> a rich man, and a rasha, a wicked man, ba'im ladin. They're going to come to the final judgment. Le'ani omrim lo. To the poor man, they say, ma lo asakta b'Torah. They're going to ask him, how come you didn't study Torah? Im omer ani ha'iti. If he's going to say, well, I was a poor man. Vetarud b'mizonotai, and I was uh, preoccupied with my mizonot, uh, with my panasa. Omrim lo, the judgment is going to tell him. Klum ani aita yoter mehlel, were you poorer than mehlel? Amru alav an mehlel azakeh, and they said a story about mehlel azakeh. Shemichol yom vayom ayahose umistaker betarpaik. Every day he would work, and he would make a. A uh, meager wage of a tarpaik. That's one coin. Half of the money of his wages he would give to the Shomer Beta Midrash. That was the guard that sat at the front of the Beta Midrash to get an entrance fee. And the other half was for his, uh, <coughs> for his family, uh, for his uh, wife, for his children, etc. One day, he did not make uh, any uh, money. And the guard at the Bet Midrash did not give him entry. So he climbed up the roof and he hung over the uh, skylight. So he could hear the word of the living God. From his rabbi, Shemayav Abtalyon. Amru, it is said, 
That day that this story happened was a Friday. It was in the season of Tevet, which is the middle of the winter, or the dead of the winter. And a great snow fell on him. When the morning came, all every day the Bet Midrash is usually light. Today it's dark. Maybe it's cloudy. They looked up. And they saw the uh, the, the uh, image of a man on the skylight. They saw three amot of snow, which can be up to six feet of snow on top of a lil. So they, uh, they took him out. And they bathed him, they washed him. And they put, uh, let's say, oil on him. And they put the fireplace on, and they put him next to the fireplace. They said, See, this man is worthy for us to desecrate the Shabbat in order to put him by the fire. Now, let's read Rashi first, and then we'll make some uh, diukim and the Rashot on this Gemara. La'ani umrim, kilomar, imba'u beddin shirema'la, lehayev aniim, which means if beddin wanted to have claims against us and obligate us, al lel, they can obligate us from hilel. For, for the poor person, va'ashirim, the rich people, ayedei rebil azar, v'terudei yetzer, the people that have yetzer ara, ayedei Yosef, yesh petchon pel lebaal din lehayevam, which means Hillel and Rabbi Azar and Yosef as Sadiq, they give the debed din a a good claim against different classes and and and, and, way, and different ways of people. Trapaik, Rashi, Sela Medina. Okay, that's the Sela, Shu Hatsi Dinar. That's a very, very small amount of money, Hatsi Dinar. Pirku, Pirku Masui Ashirig Ma'ala, right? They took the snow that was off of him. Now, on this uh, piece of Gemara, there's a few things. First of all, the Iyun Yaakov says, Why does it say, Tanur Banan Ani Ve'ashir Ve'rasha? It puts the Ani first. So he says, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu Aniim, because God loves the Aniim, and therefore He puts them before the Rasha, because He doesn't want the Rasha to go in first. Then the Betin is going to be angry. Then when the Ani goes in, already the Betin has a midatadin on them. So therefore they put the Ani first. <clears throat> so even though he'll get judged, but he'll get the lightest and the uh, less strict of uh, judgment. Now, <clears throat> the Maharsha asks. Uh, what did you need a Shomera Petach for? You had a guy guarding the Beit Midrash, charging uh, entrance. So, he says, because in the olden days, the Beit Midrashot were in the fields. And therefore, you needed uh, protection. Or he says that, the uh, Gemara Berachot says, that there was a time in history where they would not allow a student that was not Tocho Kevaro into the Beit Midrash. They wouldn't allow a, you know, someone that wasn't uh, serious. So that wasn't uh, true through and throughout. They wouldn't let him in the midrash. So this Shomer Petah <coughs> was the um, was the one in charge of making sure that only the sincere students enter the Beit Midrash. I once heard from one of the Baalei Musar, "What does the Shomer Petah know 
about who's sincere or not. I mean, he's a bouncer. Well, he's not the Rosh Hashiva. <coughs> so I saw one of the rabbis said that they would just put him in front of the petah, and his job was to not allow anybody in the Beit Midrash. <coughs> and whoever fought their way in and got in the Midrash anyway, you'd know that they must have been sincere. Which means like when a person goes to school, they tell him, no school today. What about the way he runs home? He doesn't want to get caught. You know, that they might change their mind. But you have somebody that says, no school today, and he says, no, I want to go anyway, and he fights his way through. Then you know the student is sincere. Furthermore, the Ben Yoyada says that this Shomer Petah, the reason why he charged the Hefer uh, Tzapa'ik in order to get in, because he was in charge of the maintenance, which is he paid for the, uh, you know, the upkeep of the Beit Midrash. So therefore that money went for that uh, purpose. Now, the Hachamim over here learned a very interesting halakha from this Gemara, because it says he took half his wages and he gave them to the Shomer Petah. So the Likutel court brings down from here, you see, and even though we have a principle that says, that a person should not spend more than 20% of his money to tzedakah or for the mitzvot. So here you see he spent more than 20%. He spent 50%, which is he made it one coin, he gave half of it for the, uh, for the learning. So he writes that that's only the nyan tzedakah. That you don't give more than twenty percent. Avali anya tamut Torah lo. Meaning for tamut Torah, you give even more. And the Hafiz Chaim explains in his biur halacha, Tafresh Nun Vav, he says that even though the whole logic of not giving twenty percent, more than twenty percent, is they don't want you to become an ani. That's only talking about somebody that's rich. That by giving twenty percent will cause him to become an ani. But somebody that's an ani already, it doesn't matter. And in Leil's case, he was a poor man. Anyway, so giving the half a coin is not going to make him, uh, you know, change his uh, economic uh, status. So therefore, he says, there was no problem for him to give uh, that amount. Now, it says in the Gemara, that was Eid of Shabbat, right? And it was in the middle of the winter. And um, the Maharsha is Medayek from this Gemara, that it's Mashma, that he was on the roof uh, the whole uh, Friday, because they didn't notice. Uh, it says Friday, he couldn't make any money, so they climbed up on the roof. So it's and they didn't notice him until the morning. So the masters of him, they should have noticed him Friday night, which is when it got dark early on Friday night. They should have said, "Oh, something's going on over here." How come they didn't recognize him until the following morning? So the Maharsha says that on Friday, when they didn't let him. Uh, in, he went back to make money. Which means, Hillel said, okay, maybe I, I still have time. So he tried to make uh, more panasa. He didn't climb up the roof till Friday night. Once already he couldn't make panasa anymore, and he knew they're not going to let him in. So when it was dark, he climbed on the roof. And therefore, they couldn't recognize him at night. They didn't recognize him until the uh, next morning. Now, what does it mean when they were mehalel Shabbat for Hillel? They say, This one's worthy. Isn't everybody worthy to Mahalat Shabbat? Which is if somebody's, uh, you know, his life is in danger, of course you can be Mahalat Shabbat. So the Haida says, what they were saying like this, of course you have to save everybody's life. But if you save a guy's life, let's say the guy becomes an Asha. So retroactively you say, right, we saved the guy's life for nothing. Look what happened. We ended up saving a, a uh, Asha. And therefore it was a waste. So they're saying, that we know this man is going to be a tzaddik for the rest of his life. We know we're never going to regret 
for saving this man's life uh, because we know who he is. Okay, now we go to the to the next piece. So that's the, the poor man. So a payment's going to come along and say, Hey, listen, I couldn't study Torah. Were you poorer than Hillel? Hillel had much less than you, and still he made it his business to study Torah. For me, you see a very important lesson. Uh, the claim is not a good claim. Because if somebody would tell us that this is the Shammah, and we would answer back, one difference. I'm not Hillel. <laughs> and the answer is that you see the level of the standard that they hold us by. Which means you, you are bound by the same level and the same rules as Hillel. To say I'm not Hillel is not an excuse. With your potential and your ability, you also could have rose to such a level. Therefore, it should give us a, a motivation to see, they're, they're comparing us to Hillel, which is how much does the Betin hold of us that they can even uh, compare us to such great people? Comes the Gemara and says, Imomer Ashiraiti. The person comes along with the opposite claim. Listen, I was very rich. And I was preoccupied with my uh, all my wealth. Well, you're richer than Nabil Azad. And that's why the Gemara is bringing this whole piece here, because we're mentioning Nabil Azad. Amru Azad bin Harsom. That's the rabbi we mentioned above, that his mother made him a very expensive ketone. He was a Kohen Gadol. His father left him an inheritance, 1,000 cities on dry land, and a fleet of 1,000 ships in the water, but every day, what did the Bil Azar do? He takes a little flask of flour over his shoulder. That's it. He would just go from city to city, from place to place to study Torah. He was incognito. He didn't get involved in his wealth. He would go from place to place so nobody would recognize him. And he would just hide out and study Torah. One day, his servants saw him. He was in a certain city. So the servants saw him. And they told, listen, you live in the city, everybody's got to work. So they started to put some work on him. And some of the explained, no, they charged him tax. He says, please, please, just let me go study Torah. Says, they had no idea that he was their boss. He was the Bil Hazar, which is there working for him. And they're charging him the tax and making him do the work. So he just pleaded with them, please, uh, let me go study Torah. In the life of our boss, Rabbi Hazar bin Harsom, we cannot leave you. We have a job, we have to make sure we collect taxes from every single citizen. So they had no idea that it was him. In his days, he never went to see these people. We'll see what that means. He just sat and learned the whole day. Look at that. She in Garya, avodat sarair, which means they made him do work. But this was his own work, which means he was the employer. But they didn't recognize him. They just thought he was a regular citizen. Good. Now the Mephashim explained on this, uh, the Me'idi, that the greatness of Nabi Lazar was he didn't say to them, Hey, I'm Nabi Lazar bin Harsom. 
So the Ma'arsha says, why not? So he says a beautiful interpretation. He says, because they wouldn't believe him. I mean, you're the Azab bin Hasov. You're, you're, you're the. Uh, he, he looked very inconspicuous. So then they would start arguing with him. And they would have to prove himself. He says, all that would be Bitul Torah. The whole conversation back was, he didn't want to waste any time from Torah. So therefore, he just paid the tax and uh, he got off. He didn't want to start debating with them and take time away from his, uh, from his learning. Right. And that's what it means the Marsha says that Shemiyamav lo halach vera'a otan. Which means uh, he never went uh, to them, meaning to, to debate them. Whenever they were charging the tax, he never went to them to start talking. He just paid it or he did whatever work they told him to and he uh, went back to the study of Torah. Now, Gebara says, Rasha Omrim lo Mepelema lo asakta ba Torah How come you didn't study Torah? Im aman na'e ha'iti He comes along and says I was very handsome Vitarud bi yitzri And I was uh, preoccupied with my yitzrara Or tarud bi yitzro He says he was preoccupied with his yitzrara Omrim lo Klum na'e ha'ita mi Yosef Were you more handsome than Yosef al-Sadiq? Abnu alav al Yosef al-Sadiq they say about Yosef, Bechol Yom Vayom. Aita Eshet Potifar Mishdalato Bidvarim. She would try to seduce him verbally. This is the wife of Potifar. Begadim Shelab Shalo Shahrit, Lolav Shalo Arbit. The clothes that she wore in the morning, she would wear different clothes in the evening. Begadim Shelab Shalo Arbit, and the clothes she wore in the evening, Lolav Shalo. Uh, which means she wore different clothes and she, she kept on changing her clothes to try to seduce Yosef she said to him listen to me she listen to my uh, seductions he says no way so she says to him says if you don't listen to me I'm going to put you in prison I'm going to tie you up he said, no, God unshackles the people that are tied up. I'm going to give you so much affliction that I'm going to cause you to, to fall. I'm going to lower your stature. Hashem zokev kivuvim. Yosef answered, God straightens the people and makes them erect. He said, I'm going to blind you. Hashem ivrim. says, God gives, uh, opens the eyes of the blind. She gave him a thousand silver talents. So he listened to her to do what? To lie next to her, to be with her. Which means to sleep, to lie down next to her, meaning in this world. Nor did he want to be with her in Allah Meaning he did not want to get punished On the account of her in Allah So that's why the double language Which means he did not want to be with her in this world Nor did he want to carry the punishment with him To the next world Now the Maharsa explains on this last story with Yosef, 
he says there's a mizmor in the Tehilim that we say every day. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Nafshi et Hashem, Hallelujah, Hashem b'Hayai. So the pasuk says, Ashre She'el Yaakov be'Ezro, Sibro al Adonai Lohav. So he explains that when Yaakov is referring to when Yaakov Abinu came down to Egypt in order to get food. Because there was a famine in Canaan. So the God of Yaakov was with him. That he put his faith in the Kadosh Baruch Hu and God told him to go down to Mislayim to go get uh, food. Then it says, That's referring to Yosef that was in the house of Potiphar. He was Ashuk. He was like held in captivity over there. And then it says, uh, Yosef rose to power. And when Yosef rose to power in Egypt, what happened? He was the one that gave the bread to the hungry people, because that was Yosef's, uh, Yosef's job. And then what does it say? Hashem Matira Surim, that's what Yosef told Eshet uh, Potiphar. And then of course, the Pasuk refers to also that Hashem Matira Surim, Avrim. And then the end of the Pasuk says, Hashem Oheb Sadikim. Who's the Sadiq? Yosef. Veshomer et Gerim. Who's the Ger? Yosef was a Ger because he was living in a foreign place that he was not, uh, not accustomed to. Furthermore, I once heard from Hakam Baruch Alav Shalom that he said it in Hashan this Gemara. The Pasuk says, Rabot Machashavot Belev Ish. Ba'atzat Adonai Hitakum. So he said, that many people have a lot of ideas what they're going to say to the Beddin in Shamayim after 120, how they're going to exonerate themselves in the study of Torah. I'll tell them I was too poor, or I'll tell them I was too rich, or I'll tell them I was too handsome. In the heart of man, everybody has a lot of ideas. But the answer of God is, He takum, He rashetevot, Hillel. Yosef el Azar, which God's going to answer he, which means if you say you're too poor, Elel. If you say you're too handsome, Yosef. If you say too rich, El Azar. So the answer of God is going to be he, Takum. And that is going to be a very strong argument. Now we'll just say one, uh, one last derashab on this piece. The The Maharsha brings down that Abraham Abinu uh, sits or stands at the entrance of Gehinnam. And he doesn't let any Jew that has a Brit Milah get thrown into Gehinnam. However, uh, if somebody had relations with a Aramit, with a Goya, so what happens at that moment, his foreskin covers up the Brit Milah, and therefore they don't recognize that he's Ma'ul. And that's what Yosef was saying. I don't want to be with her, the ulama meaning in Gainam, because if I go with her, then already Abraham's not going to recognize me, and then they're going to throw me into Gainam. The Gemara in Avodah Zarah does say, which is a person goes with a Goya, she attaches to his soul like a dog. Which means she doesn't let go. So therefore, based on that, 
Kishunak Kelev, which means that sin clings on to the Neshama forever. And that's why he said, I don't want to be with her. La'atid Lavo. The Shem Shemuel writes on this piece. He says, Shekemoshimatsinu bihuda. Like we find by Yehuda Bihito Betamar. When he went with his daughter-in-law Tamar, Of course, Yehuda at that moment, the Mephashim explained, lost his free will. God dispatched a Malach that was in charge of Ta'ava, passion, and he caused Yehuda to go with Tamar. And God did that to Yosef as well, that he gave him a tremendous amount of uh, Desire in order they should overcome the malach and uh, and be victorious. Says when he was refraining from the sin, he saw the image of his father. Because Yaakov also beat the malach. Yaakov beat the malach of Isab. So therefore, uh, when Yaakov was able to beat the Malach, that gave his son Yosef also the ability to overcome the Malach. So each one overcame their own Malach. Yaakov overcame the Malach of Isaab, but Yosef had to overcome the Malach of Tava. So he says, according to this, we can understand the Gemara. He says, Like we asked, well, you're going to compare now to Yosef al-Sadiq? When the, the handsome guy comes along, so how can we learn Torah? Well, I was too handsome, I was involved, preoccupied with my Yesterada. Oh, you better than uh, uh, Yosef as Sadiq? So the Gemara says, so He says, Now if you're going to tell me, well, everybody can overcome it, so why are you comparing it to Yosef? You should have just said, uh, Everybody has the ability, which is why do they claim against this guy? To Yosef HaSadik. Which means, Yosef, his greatness was he had to overcome a Malach that was going against him. Now, a regular guy doesn't have this Malach. So therefore, Yosef's test with the Malach is equivalent to a regular guy without the Malach of Tava going after him. Therefore, the Shemosh Shemosh said they can compare us to Yosef. Yosef was able to overcome a Malach of passion that's a super uh, supernatural uh, uh, force and still he was able to overcome it. So if he was able to overcome a Malach that was dispatched specifically to test him, Come on, you. Then they don't. God doesn't give us that big of a test because nobody would be able to overcome the malach. If he was able to overcome that supernatural, at least we're obligated to overcome our natural desires not to go after these anyanim. Now there's a gemara in uh, Kiddushin and in other places uh, in Masechet uh, Shabbat as well. Uh, we had it where it seems that. They're going to ask a person some questions when he goes up to Shamayim. So it says, one of the first questions uh, they're going to ask is, Sorry, Masik, it's an Edrin. It says, that's the first judgment. Tehillat Dinoshil Adam is going to be on Talmud Torah. So, uh, the Tosfot asks that we learned in Masechet Shabbat that the first question they're going to ask is Nasata v'natata ve'emuna. Then they're going to ask Kavata itim la Torah. So he's make up your mind. You just said that the punishment is on Torah. 
So the Mepharshim explained that it's true. When it comes to the punishment, the punishment is going to be on Torah. But the first question is going to be, Nasata v'natata v'emunah. She's just doing yanim. In the questionnaire form, it's going to be, did you act honestly in business? But the gave the punishment, it says, Neshit poter ma'im, Neshit medon. One that exempted himself from the obligation to study Torah, which is kepet ma'im, Neshit medon. That's going to be the first judgment against him. So I saw over here from the Gaon Mevilna, it brings down in Kol Eliyahu. The Gemarat Shabbat over there, uh, quotes from Mishtakish. The Pasuk says, Vehaya imunat itecha chosin yeshuot chokmat vadaat. The Gemara says on that Pasuk, it's hinting to the six orders of the Mishnah. Imunot ze sedr zedaim. The word imunot refers to sedr zedaim. Because I guess a farmer needs to have a lot of uh, imunah when he goes out into his field and does all the work and the majority of Zira'im talks about the laws of the field. Itecha, your times, Zesedr Mu'id. Chosen, Zesedr Nashim. Strength refers to Zesedr Nashim, because a person, two things. A person needs a tremendous amount of uh, strength not to go after the Nashim. And we know the Yachamim say that a person's strength goes to Nashim, which means by having a children, he gives his strength. In order to zera to have children, that's called chosin. Yeshuot zesed nizikin. Yeshuot salvation that refers to the laws of nizikin. Chokmat zesed kadashim. Wisdom is kadashim. Vedahat zesed tarot. So he says these six uh, orders of the Mishnah. Uh, th- these over here are actually referring to the six questions that they're going to ask a person after he dies. Because the first question is, What's the question? Emunah is referring to Zira'im. She said, did you learn Mishnayot Zira'im? Then they're going to ask him the next question, Itim is times. Times is Seder Mu'ed. And then they're going to say, Asakta b'periyavirabya, that's Seder Nashim. Sipita lishua, we said Yeshuot is Nizikin. Pilpalta b'chokmah, chokmah we said is Kadashim. And then it says, Hevanta davar, mitok davar, that would be Taharot, which is Da'at. So therefore you see, it's no stira. The six questions are also questions of Torah. What was the first question? You said that they're getting judged uh, on Torah first, but the first question they say, that's a business question. Kabbalah says, no, that's a Torah question as well. Which means all those six questions that the Kabbalah lists in order are actually claiming a person to each one of the Sedarim of the uh, Mishnayot. Baruch Adwani Amen. Amen.